Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Howdy, junkies. We are in the process of rolling out podcast novels that we had previously taken down. Did you know that Ancestor and Nocturnal are back up as free ad-supported podcasts? Did you know? The entire Infected Trilogy, the whole thing is available as a free ad-supported podcast. Yes, the whole trilogy, Infected, Contagious, and Pandemic. That is 88 episodes of one of the nastiest biotech horror stories to ever spray its bits across the internets. Now, true, you have to wait each week for your next tasty episode of Slay, but with Ancestor, Nocturnal, Infected, Contagious, and Pandemic, you can mainline your Sigler fix with no waiting whatsoever. They're available at Spotify, they're available at Apple Podcasts, and many more. Just search your favorite podcast app already and see if it is there. Now, back to the slow drip torture that is Slay. Let me get you caught up on the story. Then we're all going to go look up the tiny little monster named Demodex Folliculorum. Previously on Slay. Lincoln was on his way to pay first installment of treasure to Callista when he was jumped by Finish the Job Johnson, who knocked Lincoln unconscious. Meanwhile, Work on the Old Stone Church continues as Ariella takes on more debt from unknown sources. Eager to find some way to bring in money, Magda let Billy convince her to start a company that will sell funny t-shirts. All they need now is the right idea. Billy sat at the kitchen table with Magda. She wore pajamas. So did he, which made him feel small and stupid, especially considering the workers who walked through the kitchen carrying paint and other supplies they were using to fix up what had once been a community room or something like that. Every time a worker passed, Billy shrunk in on himself a little. How about dicks, Magda said. You know, like Twix, but D-I-X, and the candy bars look like little chocolate dongers. They were brainstorming ideas for her company. The company might or might not be able to ship actual chocolate. Billy didn't know much about that, but it wasn't the point. T-shirts were. Ray Ray Rerun had made good bucks off of his ideas. If Ray Ray could figure it out, so could Billy. He would figure it out for Magda. She was so interesting. Clearly, she was a badass. Strong black woman that could lay down some damage. She had been a Rixator, like Lincoln, but someone had hurt her, real bad, which turned her into an agoraphobe. She had been nice to Billy. Well, nice enough, anyway. He found himself wanting to help her, to give her something of her own so she felt like she was contributing. Magda didn't seem to realize how much she already brought to the program. She kept Lincoln's gear in top shape. She was like Whistler and Blade or Q in the Bond flicks. She worked on magic weapons, for fuck's sakes, and she was teaching him how to do the same. That was a baller job. 
But if she needed to bring in some green to feel better about herself, he would try and help her do just that. Uh, Dicks is too forward, Billy said. Gotta be something a kid could wear to school and get away with it, you know, if no one looks too close. Uh, that logo, the Twix logo and a pair of candy dicks, that's not gonna work. Magda nodded, pushed the paper and pencil across the table to Billy. Your turn, she said. I know my next idea won't work either. A worker trudged in. Billy shrunk into himself, waited for the man to pass into the common room. Don't know if you won't tell me, Billy said. What is it? Magda held her hands up like she was framing a movie marquee. Ding dong, chocolate schlong. Billy laughed. Yeah, that's, that's not going to work. Magda looked away, stared off, her eyes unfocused. I wish I was with Link, she said. It ain't right him having to go face Kalista alone. Lincoln had gone. Magda had stayed. She hated herself for it. Billy wanted to keep her mind on other things. Worrying about Lincoln would do her no good. Maybe something about a particular kind of candy, Billy said, instead of ripping on a copyrighted brand or whatever. Magda's eyes narrowed. When she did that in confusion or curiosity, the three ragged scars on her cheek seemed to pull closer together. You mean like, Chef's chocolate salty balls from South Park? Yep, Billy said. Just like that. Magda leaned back in her chair. Another worker entered. She tracked his every step. Before sitting down to talk, she had duct taped a holstered pistol under the table just a quick reach away. The worker left the kitchen. She relaxed some, pondered the candy conundrum. Maybe something with nuts instead of balls, she said. Like, when I was a kid, a Hershey bar had a fuck ton of almonds. Nowadays, those water hoarding cheapskates put like three in there. So maybe we play on that. Um, how about a candy bar called Nutless Wonder? She was old, maybe 35, but she was getting the idea. It's not bad, Billy said. I could see that on t-shirt, but... You know, you said fuck ton of nuts. That's a dope name. Or maybe fuck ton oh nuts. You know, with the apostrophe, so it feels more old timey. Can't use the word fuck on shirts, though. Asterisk, maybe. Maybe another way to spell it. He started scribbling, looking for alternatives to her idea. Magda's hand slapped down on the paper. I got it, she said. I, give me that pencil. Billy handed it to her. In the bastion, one of my trainers was Vietnamese. She started writing. He taught me how to use my favorite close-in weapon, the Trung Dao. Billy's face scrunched. Tron Do? What the hell is that? It's a kind of a falchion, Magda said. The fuck is a falchion, Billy said. Never mind. Magda tapped the paper. How would you pronounce that? Billy looked at what she had written. P-H-U-Q, he said. I'd pronounce that fuck? Seriously? Your trainer's name was fuck? He pronounced it more like fook, Magda said. But you pronounce it like the dirty word. Would other people do the same? Fook, yeah, they would, Billy said. 
and he realized where she was going with it. He smiled wide. Clever girl. Fucktono nuts, spelled P-H-U-C. We're doing a crazy font logo so you can't see what it is right away, Mags. Mags, Mags, that is perfect. Another worker entered. Billy shrunk down, feeling like a turtle, and waited for the man to pass by. But the man stopped. Lil' B? Billy turned in his chair. It was Monty Harris, white paint spots on his mahogany skin. Monty was from Billy's hood, had graduated two years ahead of Billy. Sup, Lil' B? What are you doing here? Pajama party or something? Billy went cold. He'd been recognized. In the one place he was supposed to be hidden. The one place he was supposed to be safe. Lil' B? Magda shook her head. Don't know who that is. Guess my cousin Marcellus. Billy saw her hand slowly, slowly reaching under the table. Was she going to kill this guy? Billy stood suddenly put his body between Monty and Magda. Hey, hey, Monty, Billy said. It's been a minute. How you been, dog? Monty smiled, gave Billy a hand clasp, and pulled him in for two solid thumps on the back. I'm good, I'm good, Monty said. Been working construction. Money's all right. He glanced at Magda, then back to Billy. I heard you was laying low on account of you taking out Big Hack. The words stunned Billy. Butch thought he had killed Hack? Hey, relax, Monty said. I don't give no two shits about it. What happened between you and Hack, it ain't my business, you feel me? The neighborhood code, in a nutshell. Stay out of other people's beefs. It wasn't me, Billy said. I, I didn't do nothing to Hack. It wasn't me. Which was the truth. Billy hadn't killed Big Hack. Knife-toothed shadow creatures had. Please don't tell Butch I'm here, Billy said. Please, man, don't tell anyone. Monty looked at him for a moment, measuring, evaluating. I believe you, he said. Not that it matters if I do, because I don't care. He looked directly at Magda. I won't say boo to anyone. Relax. Then, back to Billy. But you should know, Butch has the hood locked down. His boys are watching your place, watching it real close. You might want to see if your grandma can go stay somewhere else for a while. Good to see you, little man. Take care of yourself. Monty left the kitchen. Magda grabbed Billy's elbow, pulled him in close. We need to fix this, she said in a whisper, one that carried anger and promised violence. He can't know you're here. You can't kill him, Billy whispered back. If he's lying and he tells Butch, that Butch, he's going to come for you. You know that, and you still don't want me to hurt him? Billy nodded, even though his thoughts were already elsewhere. Butch was scoping out his home? Monty didn't do nothing wrong, Billy said. He shouldn't die for something that I did. Magda's eyes narrowed. Her three scars pulled closer together. Okay, Lil' B, she said. I won't hurt him. I'll use a forget-me dot. It's mesh work. I can make him forget he saw you, forget this whole conversation. 
Can you get him into the base of the bell tower? No one's there. That wouldn't be hard. He'd tell Monty he found something that might be valuable and didn't want the owners of the church to know. Because a lie was better than a bullet. I can, Billy said. You promise you won't hurt him? I promise. Make it quick, though, before he starts talking to the other workers. Billy believed her. He didn't want to see anyone else get hurt. Especially his grandma. I gotta call home, he said. I gotta tell grandma to get out of there. Magda shook her head. Hard. I told you before, no calls. The people who are after you, they know their business. You ring up your grams, they might trace it back here. Don't test me, little B. Give me five minutes, then get Monty to the bell tower so we can men and black his ass. Magda hurried off. Billy watched the clock above the sink. He watched and he worried about his grandmother. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. On a remote island in frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Unsk, unsk, unsk. They played club music in hell? Not that surprising, come to think of it. Lincoln had always suspected he would wind up in hell, one of the patchwork's worst neighborhoods. Hopefully it was hell anyway. As bad as it was, the really bad parts of the patchwork were Micklin and Kasurgan. Nothing quite like spending a millennia in boiling black tar. Unsk, unsk, unsk. His body moved to the beat but he couldn't move his body. He felt the vibrating hum of meshwork chains that bound his hands and feet that were undoubtedly wrapped tight around his cloak to seal it shut. His head throbbed like a Goldschlager hangover, but ten times worse. With effort, he tried to open his eyes. His lids winced shut against a mirror ball assault of colored lights. Unsk, unsk, unsk. No, he wasn't in hell. This was worse. Well, look what the cat dragged in. The soft, malicious purr of the baddest bitch in Lumencia. Callista. Put him 
down. The world whipped in a dizzying blur. Lincoln thudded against the floor, right shoulder armor hitting first. Callista's club. The flashing lights, the swaying bodies, the tang of sweat, sex, and magic thick in the air. Sit him up so he can see me, Callista said. A strong hand gripped Lincoln's left shoulder, yanked him to a sitting position. The hand belonged to one, finish the job, Johnson. Shit, Lincoln said to him. When I saw you, I thought it was a dead man. The bounty hunter smiled. His incisors and front teeth were gold, with the letters done in tiny diamonds on each one. F-T-J-J. He wasn't black. He wasn't white. He wasn't Asian. He wasn't Indian. He wasn't Chinese. But rather a mix of all those things and none of those things at the same time. The job was not to kill you, he said. I was to bring you here. That job is finished. He looked to Kalista. You have my money? She lounged in her throne, not a care in the world, a remorseless grin of absolute control on her luscious lips. Bobby stood behind her throne, the club's flashing lights playing off his bull eyes, his horns, his jet black fur, and the head of his double-bladed labrys axe. Seven of Kalista's barely legal, maybe underage sex toys lay at the sides of her throne, their perfect skin gleaming. All looked at Lincoln with a dispassionate curiosity. Several of them had visible bruises. Kalista played rough. She snapped her fingers. Mercutio, pay the man. The skinny, leather-clad boy with the androgynous face stood, handed a small bag to finish the job Johnson. The bag clinked with a heavy, unmistakable sound of gold coins. Thank you, Miss Kalista. He reached into the bag in his right hip, a bag that Lincoln knew possessed the same otherworldly features of his cloak. FTJJ pulled out Bastard Maker, Lincoln's hatchet, and offered it to Kalista. You want this hatchet? Keep it, Kalista said. The spoils of war. Finished the job, Johnson slid the axe back into the bag. A pleasure doing business with you, he said. If you would like him dead or slowly tortured, perhaps with a nice blood eagle so that his lungs are exposed to the air they will no longer breathe, I offer a 20% good customer discount. Hold on, Lincoln said. Kalista, I was coming to see you. I have... She snapped her fingers and Lincoln's jaw clamped tight. He couldn't say a word. He tried to call up Meshwork, tried to mentally reach into the endless, milk-gray void that existed within the folds of his cloak. Nothing responded. FTJJ's bonds were too powerful. His was the rare and awesome skill set of a bastion monk. Both Rixator and Jurator, both physical and magic, both lightning and thunder. FTJJ, our contract is complete, Kalista said. When it's time to end Lincoln Franks, my servant Robert will handle the task. Lincoln saw Bobby's bull eyes wince slightly. He would do as Kalista asked, 
He wouldn't like it, but he would do it. Finish the job, Johnson placed a fist against his sternum. I understand, Miss Kalista. I offer the same discount on next job you have for me. Marvelous, Kalista said. Gary, see him out. The tuxedo-clad satyr melted out of the crowd. He cast a quick, disappointed glance at Lincoln, then addressed, finish the job, Johnson. This way, sir, Gary said. Cloven hooves clicking on the dance floor, Gary led the bounty hunter away. Lincoln, I want answers, Kalista said. I sent you to fetch me the head of Ariella Goldsmith. As of yet, I have no head. You have failed me. She snapped her fingers, and Lincoln's mouth was again his own. This was not how he'd envisioned facing down Kalista. On one's knees and bound in chains did not make for a strong negotiating posture. I can explain, he said. I was coming to pay you. We were making a change to the contract. Listen, my lawyer's going to break this down for you. Just let me get this globe out of my cloak and I can... Kalista snapped her fingers again. The sound as sharp as the crack of a whip. Lincoln's mouth clamped tight. This was not going well. The sultry sorceress slowly sat forward, her stare simmering with anger. Lincoln Franks, you big, dumb fuck. I sent you to kill a lawyer. Now you tell me your lawyer is going to change my contract with you? She raised one hand, palm up. A small, white-hot ball of flame flared, tongues of flame dancing between her curled fingers. For the love of all your internal organs, and for the sake of your poor, poor, defenseless son, that lawyer had better not be Ariella Goldsmith. The fire reflected in her hateful eyes. Lincoln, tell me the person I ordered you to kill is not your goddamn lawyer. Blazing hells. This was not going well at all. I mean, when you describe it that way, Lincoln said, it sounds a lot worse than it really is. In the flashing club lights, it was hard to tell for certain, but Lincoln thought he saw Kalista's perfectly tanned skin start to turn ember red. You chose poorly, Lincoln. I'm going to hang your head from the disco ball so that all can see what happens to those who defy me. But, but I have info that... She snapped her fingers, sparks bursting from them, and Lincoln's jaw clamped shut again, tighter than before, so tight he thought his teeth might crack. Robert, Kalista said, off with his head. The Minotaur's huge shoulders sagged. Mistress, are you sure? He's a Rixator. Former Rixator, Kalista said. They'll still mark us, mistress. His brother is a hothead and will come for blood. His sister is bad news, and it's Lincoln's head or yours, Kalista said. Choose, Robert, now. Bobby hefted his axe and walked around the throne. Lincoln fought against his restraints. He couldn't budge them. Finish the job Johnson had made sure of that. Lincoln tried to ask Kalista to listen, 
But with his mouth clamped shut, he managed only muffled noises that sounded like whimpering and whining, sounded like he was a muzzled pig who saw the butcher's knife coming fast. It couldn't end this way. It couldn't. What would happen to Sam? What would happen to Lincoln's father? What would happen to Magda and to Billy? Bobby put a big, booted foot on Lincoln's chest and pushed down, pinning Lincoln's back to the floor. Sorry about this, Bobby said. I'll make a cleaner cut if you don't struggle so much. Lincoln lurched, or at least he tried to. Bobby's weight kept him locked in place. You're a fool, Lincoln, Callista said. You should have done as you were told. In your line of work, you know how betrayal ends. Sometimes you're the guillotine, and sometimes you're the head. Robert, do it. Bobby hefted the axe high. Muscles rippling beneath disco lights, he started his swing then stopped suddenly when a woman's voice roared so strong and powerful it drowned out the endless unsk unsk unska. Cease and desist! Immediately! Lincoln couldn't believe his ears. Ariella? You, Kalista hissed. You're still alive. Lincoln craned his head to see for himself. There she was, Ariella who he had told to stay home, dressed in a red business suit with tall black heels, the pistol in her hand jammed under the chin of a visibly terrified Gary Sater. Yes, I'm alive, she said. Can't put one past you, Kalista. By the directive of Ulumat's Code, Chapter 12, Section 4, Subsection B, harming my client at this time is a direct violation of patchwork law. Release Lincoln Franks immediately, she jammed the barrel harder into Gary's jaw, or the goat gets it. You have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. 